I got a text from a friend this week telling me that they had had a baby. And of course, I texted back, congratulations. I also said, I birthed something too this week. Um, To which he responded, I don't think I want to know. I actually uh, had twins and uh, not identical twins. Let me tell you about this. We are releasing two books. Two books at the same time, two new books, and uh, um, for me, just it's a crazy way to say let's spread the sight shift message. The first book is called Figure That Shift Out, and it's a book based on our coaching program. So if you've heard the first 12 weeks of the podcast or the first 12 episodes, it's walking through that. The series I'm in now, I'm coaching someone on air, and the book represents like the deepest, most thorough thoughts on it because... You know, just from all the coaching, um, you'll see how much more robust it is. And really excited about that. It's called Figure That Shift Out, an invitation to relax into your brilliance. And then the second one is called The Rider. The Rider, avoid building a life you hate. And over the years, um, and and this is like two decades, of capturing observations and and journaling and thinking and distilling down, um, I've distilled like everything that I've learned, everything that helps me the most into seven guiding principles. And I meditate on one per day of the week. So the writer is a book. It's called Avoid Building a Life You Hate. It's avoid. It's how to avoid these seven mistakes. Because if you commit these, you'll build a life you hate and you can build a life you love by um, you know, not doing them. So what we wanted to do with this book is get it out in a narrative form. And and I would say the format itself is experimental. There's a lot about it that's very different and breaks a mold. And I think you're going to love it, but we'll see. So both of those are live now. You're hearing about it first here on the podcast. Uh, as far as a public format, we'll release it more Tuesday. Uh, I've emailed some, some folks behind the scenes. But love for you to check those out to review, and then to share with others. And uh, I'll put links in the Podbean, if you go through that site, the show notes there for them. Eventually, we'll have book landing pages up at figurethatshiftout.com and thewriterbook.com. Those probably aren't going to be live yet, so you could go to Amazon and search my name, Chris McAllister, and that might be the best way uh, until the book titles continue to populate through. So with all that being said, uh, that gets you caught up on what's happening, and we'll jump into this week's uh, um, session with Eric. Peace. Hey, welcome, everybody. Glad you're here, and uh, here we are with brave Eric going through our coaching program live and on air. So Eric, as you look back on the last pass or the last week, um, I always like to start off with just saying, what were the moments where you became aware? Moments of insight, fear, pain, shame, uh, any dots that connected? What was that like? Yeah, sure. So this week I was out in San Francisco doing some work uh, with my day job and there was one moment where I really screwed up. I basically cost the project like around a thousand dollars because of a miscommunication that I had uh, with the team and then again with a vendor that we were working with and I felt really bad about that because it was all my fault and it was a silly mistake. So immediately I started to sort of hide from that mistake. Like I didn't want to see my team. I didn't want to like 
show myself mm. um, and just take responsibility in my immediate reaction. Like I was trying to hide from it. And then I, you know, I thought through it and it became really clear that, you know, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't the end of the world. It was just a, a mistake. And I was able to just take responsibility for it when I would normally like try to either prove that it wasn't my fault or just like totally hide from it for a while. I pretty much like, I pretty much took responsibility for it within like half an hour after I realized it happened. Wow, dude. Way to be aware, way to own it, and uh, half an hour is awesome. Um, you know, you're, you're shrinking that time of awareness and response when you're growing, but you've got people that it takes. I mean, they'll distance themselves from those kind of things for years or decades. They don't want to just own what's happening. Um, so 30 minutes after that happens, uh, walk me through kind of what, what played out after that. Well, luckily the team was very helpful. They were just trying to move forward mm-hmm. based on the current circumstances. No one really yelled at me uh, or or went off. So luckily it was pretty seamless. I, st- I was still holding on to some of that guilt mm-hmm. throughout the day because I wish I hadn't made that mistake. I just, I wanted to, uh, I, I tried to justify it. I was like, well, the reason I did it that way is because I was trying to save us money in the long run, but in the end it, it wasn't what was like appropriate for the project. So it was a miscommunication, but it really, I, uh, I realized that I just need to ask more questions and, uh, you know, move forward really in that situation and, and do better next time. Yeah. Dude, man, well done. And you find in those moments that you're like, okay, so the fear that I felt falsely threatened by, is to own this means I'm defined in some way, I get shut down. And then what we're learning is, no, our identity is secure regardless of what happens. So this allows us to be resilient and grow like crazy. And if there's healthy, secure leadership over you, which it sounds like, you know, they weren't freaking out, so that's awesome. It's like, oh, no, this is a part of growing and learning. A $1,000 mistake to learn this is huge because that's an investment in you. And... um you know, in the long run, whether it's your, you okay? Yeah. Sorry about that. (laughs) No worries, man. That makes this, uh, that's the live and real part of this. Um, I was making sure you like, it didn't fall over. Uh, the, uh, (laughs) but the thing that with that is they, they see it when they're secure as an investment in you and it's like, okay, here we are and we want him to flourish and we're willing to invest in him. Um, you know, not everybody's going to have that viewpoint. But well done, man. Well done. Any other moments where you look back at the last week and you're like, okay, here was a moment where I became aware that I was afraid or proving or hiding? Not really uh, proving or hiding, but I definitely had a moment of clarity this week. Yeah. Um, Because since I was sort of out of my normal element, I was out in uh, San Francisco, um, you know, when you're traveling, you just become more aware because you're you're you don't really have your routine, mm-hmm. so everything is sort of new and different and exciting. Uh, I was starting to understand. I think I texted you. I was starting to understand the idea of relaxing your way into flow. Mm. I remember that text. That was awesome. Yeah, um, and it wasn't really like one thing did it for me. Like one thing made me realize, but I definitely realized that I've been 
overthinking and fighting that transition, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I sort of had a moment where I was like, okay, I know what I'm trying to do and I, and I know that I can, I can get there. And it, it's, it's just a matter of mapping it out. It wasn't really like, I didn't have any question of whether I, whether I could do it or not. I was just like ready to, to do it. And I feel like some, so many times I talk myself out of following some of my, uh, my big goals mm-hmm. because I don't feel like I'm worthy or I don't feel like I'm capable. Um, but I had a moment where I felt like I was invincible mm-hmm. and I just tried to hold, hold on to that and, and capture that through some writing. Um, and then it kind of, it was a really great weekend. I had a lot of fun this weekend. So I just felt very like myself, you know? Yeah, dude. I love it. Yeah, and that's the idea. When you know that you're internally secure, I like that word, invincible. You're invincible internally. You get hurt in mission and community, but nothing can steal from your identity. So this relaxes you to get into that flow, and then, yeah, everything comes out of that. So let's talk about, like, mission and community. A lot of people are obsessed with, I got to figure out my passion, or how do I get started on my passion, or how do I go after the thing that I'm supposed to do in work? And I'm like, no, the more that you get what you need in identity and you feel secure, the clearer your direction becomes. You're not complicating it. You're just like, oh, here's the next right step I need to take. And there's no guarantee that it'll work out a certain way because there's no certainty in mission. Um, I can get certainty in identity, but there's no certainty in mission. I'm just going to keep moving forward on this path. And, and so when I get what I need in my identity, my direction becomes clearer. And I relate in a healthier way. So I can relax. And like you were saying, you had fun this weekend. Uh, that it overflows into the relationships that we enjoy. Uh, so the rigid and the uptight, the forcing it. Um, this goes back to some of those words we used for week four. For week four. Uh, w- those are wake-up calls to go, oh, I am in a forced state right now. There isn't flow. And it doesn't mean we don't work hard at things. And it doesn't mean we don't have to wrestle with uh, making complex things simple so that we can release products or ideas that help others. But it does mean while we're in that uh, engagement of work and relationship that when we're trying to put weight on the moment... And it's not a true expression of who we are. Uh, everything starts to erode and get blocked up. That's the disordered part of that. And so we're resilient. Again, I like your word invincible. When we go, ah, I bring who I am. And what you're learning, not only is how to bring who you are into each moment, but who you really are. <laughs> uh, and those are, those are like two parts of that. Um, so, yeah, I love the way that you said any thoughts or questions to that before we move into week six? No, I mean, there was one more time, actually, that I realized I was trying to prove this week, if you want to touch on that real quick. Yeah, let's do it. Um, so while I was out there, I met up with a few friends that I hadn't seen in, in years just because they live out there. And I grew up on the East Coast, but some of my friends ended up moving out there. So whenever I'm in town, I'll just say, hey, I'm in town. Who wants to meet up and catch up? And um, I met up with one of my friends from high school who got really big into the startup world. And he's, you know, he co-founded a startup a couple years ago and, and they raised like an, some insane amount of money. 
uh, for their company. So he's been doing really well for himself and, and really growing something out there. So I met up with him for uh, for dinner the other night, and you know we were just catching up, and I was asking him all these questions about what he's building, and you know I couldn't help but start to to compare mm. myself, um, which I think is something a lot of people do without thinking about, you know, especially with people who they went to high school with, because everyone goes in such different paths. Um, You know, you you know, the whole like high school reunion scene where everyone comes in and that one guy's bald and that one guy has a kid and whatever. (laughs) Totally. I got a story Um, on that, but keep going. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, you know, throughout the conversation, I kind of went through waves of trying to, to prove like I was successful or just... And then I would realize that I was doing that, and I would sort of catch myself before I um, started to speak out of fear, out of like proving. And and then uh, in the end, I mean, I had, we had a really great conversation, and I got a lot out of it. I've been trying to approach my conversations more recently, like as a giving than taking, mm. um, because it's so easy for us to talk about ourselves. Like everyone loves talking about themselves. But if you go into a conversation just looking to listen and, and share when it's appropriate, when you can relate, then I feel like you end up having a much better impression. Dude, I love it, man. You are already anticipating so much where we're headed. Um, <laughs> because that – and that's, that's the beauty of this. The more that you learn to cooperate with how your brain changes – you attune at such a deep level with this information, your behavior starts to organize out of that. And so you're already approaching moments like conversation with awareness of saying, hey, I want to be in this conversation to give, not just get. Uh, and, and we'll spend time on that in, in a few weeks. Um, and that is so cool. It shows me how deep you're tracking with this. Um, and that comparison, oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I, Facebook started getting big uh, in my like life about seven or eight years ago, uh, nine years ago, friends from high school started getting on and I got on and it was like trippy. I was in the middle of a turnaround effort and, uh, starting something. So it was a scrappy phase. I've had two really scrappy hustle phases and that was one of them, but I'd see pictures of my friends that were like from high school that had become doctors and were putting pools in their backyards. Uh, and I'm just like suffocating under this comparison. I mean, this is a lot of what site shift came out of that. Look at where you are and look at where I am. Um, and the high school reunion thing, 30 second story on that. Uh, you know, I spent my twenties leading people double my age and having to raise a lot of money and just crazy. Um, and so I didn't really know who I was and I would dress to kind of like impress them. So I dressed like they did uh, rather than like really knowing who I was and being who I was. So if you're 50 years old and you're going to your high school reunion, uh, so I would have been, you know, whatever it was, 2005. I would have been about 28. You know, I'm going to my 10-year reunion. Um and, and if you're dressing like 50-year-olds, what would a 50-year-old wear to his high school reunion? A Hawaiian shirt. What did I wear? A Hawaiian shirt. Like, it's not even who I am, <laughs> but I didn't know who I was. And, 
it, it manifests itself on so many different levels. But what's awesome about where you're at is when you catch it on the smallest of levels, the micro moments, like a conversation, then the big stuff takes care of itself. Um, and so, yeah, well done, man. Any other thoughts or questions to that? No. Feeling good about it. Can move forward, yeah. Right on. Well, let's talk about week six because... You're already uh, at a deep level noticing fear, shame, pain, awareness, and, you know, pausing that mental mechanism that kicks in. But we really start drilling deep on a solution with week six. Week six and week seven are kind of the, the two tools that we want to put in your hands to constantly, you know, reorganize your thinking, order your internal world, whatever phrase you want to use to get secure in your identity. And so one of the exercises, or the exercise really this week, is about learning to find that internal space. Um, And I want to figure out where you are with it right now and then see how much we want to build from that uh, the rest of our time today. So what was that like? Were you able to explore that? Um, Did you have a space that you were able to either build or draw on from your past? Yeah, uh, I really like this exercise. Because I find myself doing this all the time anyway. Like I, I used to be a little more into meditation than uh, where I am right now, but it's definitely a part of my life, and I always go back to this same place. And it's from my memory. It's not from my imagination. Um, I mean, it is in my imagination. Like it, it doesn't look exactly like it did that day, but yeah. I can tell you about... <laughs> Sorry, my cat. My cat's making some noise. No, I love it. <laughs> um, hey. So, uh, so I can tell you about the place that I went and that was, uh, three or four years ago. Okay. I went with my brother down to the Dominican Republic and this was a gift from, uh, from our grandmother that passed away. Our grandmother gave us some money and they said, um, we just want you to have fun like me and my brother. So we used, sorry, I don't know if you can hear that noise in the. Dude, I'm a, it makes cute. all this so real, so I'm not even worried about it. And the more that you okay. talk about imagination, I bet at some deep, weird level, your cat picks up on that and wants to get in on the action. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, hopefully this truck stops beeping outside. But it's So anyway, um, went down to the Dominican Republic with my brother, and our whole goal with this vacation was to learn how to do kite surfing. Okay. I don't know if you've ever seen kite surfing before. But it is a pretty badass sport. It's just essentially you're, you're strapped to this board. It looks kind of like a snowboard. But you're hanging on to a giant kite, maybe 12 feet across. And it's, you know, uh, 100 feet up in the air. And the wind is just pulling you. Like, you don't need waves. You don't need a boat to pull you. You're just using the wind. And these guys, they'll... They'll do jumps that it looks like they're flying. They're up like 30, 40, 50 feet in the air because the wind is just taking them and they glide back down. So we really wanted to learn how to do this. So we went down to the Dominican Republic for a week and we stayed at this place called Extreme Hotel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was like a extreme sport resort yeah. place. Wasn't super fancy or anything, but I just remember being on the beach there. We did like yoga where you can hear the sound of the ocean and we ate like the most delicious fresh fruit and the beach was just so peaceful. There's people speaking Spanish in the background and that's the place that I go back to when I'm trying to relax. 
I love it, man. So you had already been doing that at some level um, in your mind's eye going back to that place. Yeah, I, I sort of flipped through the, the memories like you said. Yeah. And that was the place that I felt most peaceful, most separated from fear and shame. Yeah. Um, yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. Okay, so that lets me know kind of like where we can build from. So what you want to do when you go back to that space in your mind's eye, and all of this is a way of understanding, you know, we already use our imagination to, to worry and fear and and blow things out of proportion, and now we're just going to harness the power of it. And uh, And like I said in the podcast, I mean, this is how we've had every breakthrough with theoretical physics um, because we can understand that, you know, all of reality really is perception. Uh, there was a physicist in Brazil. I read a quote that he had made, and I, I loved it. it I'm going to screw it up. But basically, you know, it's not that color exists. It's that our brain is translating the light, the waves. It's not that sound necessarily exists. But, again, our brain is translating the waves. Um, and that at its core, the universe is insepid, colorless, uh, you know, soundless, and everything is the perception of our brain and its translation. So a really deep idea. But we do have the ability to train the brain. And uh, so when you go through these experiences that are painful and they trigger that response and you're not 30 experiencing that pain, you're three years old or seven years old or whatever, let's learn to give our brain a more powerful experience to rewire it. So let's make ourselves present or let's give ourselves the gift of being present in the moments that we feel, just like you said, no shame. Um, this is the gift we give our identity. This is the gift we give to ourselves. And so when you're in that space in your mind's eye, you're typically going to have one of three approaches that's the strongest. And I would bet yours might be seeing. You can see it real fast. What's going to make it really power, powerful and visceral is to go, okay, I want to I hear it also. I want to hear the seagulls. I want to hear the Spanish in the background, just like you said. Uh, I want to be so present with this and that I want to feel it. I want to look down and see my feet in the sand, and I want to feel that. Um, you know, this is what it means for this space to be dynamic. Now, I want to be clear about something before I talk more about the dynamic thing. Um, if, if this was just visualization so that you can visualize the success you want in life, um, then it becomes empty because it's like I'm looking for this guarantee in mission or this guarantee in community, and you can't get that. But you can get certainty in your identity. Uh, and visualization at this level, and this is discussed in the book The Rise of Superman, a book on flow, shortens the struggle phase. So what you want to do is learn to consistently, okay, come to this space and learn to give yourself this gift of no shame. Give yourself the opposite of your fear, right? So for me, if I fear that my performance is equal to my worth, what do I want to do in that space? Well, in this space, I don't have to pretend. I don't have to deceive. Just Chris is enough. There's no performance. It's just being. And it's, it's hearing the birds, you know. Uh, and that's kind of directly connected to my space. But the idea there is... That you come here and you get the core desire that you need for your identity. So then there's nothing to prove or hide in mission or community. 
and you relate in a healthy way and you go after what's true to who you are in mission. So you want to come here in a continual, consistent way. Is that two or three times a week in the morning? Is that two or three times, you know, to close out your day? And I want to talk about a couple other instances when you come to this space, but for now, just this rhythm. And as you come here, it's dynamic. Uh, you learn that you can almost inception-like change the environment if you want to. Uh, pay attention to how old you are in it. Um, this is a, this is a story from a meeting years ago, um, but I was working through with a person them, you know, developing this space, and they had a really hard time like finding a secure identity now, and so I said, well, go back to the last time that you felt peaceful or safe because that was connected to their fear. And uh, for them, it was being on a dock with their dad, like at age five, I think, uh, as a little girl. Well, she couldn't have that for herself now, but she could see it then. And so I said, well, what would it be like if, so you see yourself holding your dad's hand on the dock as a little girl. I want you to walk into that space now, walk into that memory, purposefully use that memory. And, and the reason that she had a hard time connecting with it now is because her dad had passed. And so we can't rewrite the past. We're not trying to make it something it wasn't and overwrite painful memories. We just learned to find secure attachment in the midst of it. So I said, walk up to yourself and then ask your five-year-old self to join you in your dad's hand as a way of visualizing that security now. And it was a really powerful moment for her. Um, And that's what I mean by the fact that it's dynamic. Look at your toes wiggle in the sand. Like maybe you feel like sprinting off down the beach. Uh, Maybe you go for a kite surfing session. Um, There's endless ways to explore giving yourself what you need in this identity space. You can't out imagine uh, the goodness of this. Um, as you keep, and this is what this is doing, strengthening your core, your identity. And the more you come to that place, the more you learn what secure feels like, you notice when it's off in the rhythm of your day in life. You notice when secure or, or when center isn't there. Did I talk about my lower back pain and, uh, stuff yet with you in any of these? I don't think I have. Uh, I don't think so. Okay, so real quick, because uh, this is an application of this idea. Um, I had had a few Christmases ago, just extreme lower back pain. It was awful. And I woke up in pain. I couldn't move. I mean, I had to will myself uh, to a chiropractor. My kids saw me cry. It was bad. Point of it all is I started doing exercises afterward because I wasn't engaging my lower back correctly and I was hunched over in a seat. And so all that's changed now and it feels amazing. But because I've done those exercises, um, I know when I'm not holding my lower back or engaging my lower spine, um, I recognize it real fast. And that's what this space is about. Learning what secure feels like. So real fast, you go, oh, I don't have it right now. Um, I want to check in with you at this point before I talk about two other ways you'll use this strategy. Thoughts or questions? So what you're saying is basically in that place that you go to, you get your core desire met, which is 
to like to be comfortable or like what do you you, you mentioned like the core desire because there's there's multiple desires like last week we talked about what what we want yeah. and uh, you know there's a lot of things there's like multiple things I know it all comes back to a few uh, a few like universal desires but mm-hmm. is that what you're talking about great question so so remind me again as we talk through your fears do you still track with the fear that we talked about from week two is that still where you find your brain organizing around? Yeah, sometimes. Okay. Yeah. And not that it has to be all the time because you'll feel other fears. But if that feels kind of central, let's use that as an example. So if you were to put that into your best words right now, the fear that Eric has is what? Blank. Fill it in for me. <laughs> Big question. Um, I'd say the fear that I have is is fear of failure, fear of uh of not being taken care of and not being, not doing anything that matters, you know? Yeah. That's the best I can do right now. <laughs> well, that's great, man. That's yeah. so great. And so, so let's talk about like getting underneath the fear of failure. And this goes back to week two, those, those, those identity fears. It's not really that we fear failure. It's that we fear we're not going to have what it takes and that's going to be found out or we're going to be left to fend for ourselves. Right. Um, you know, all those things. So if we use, uh, one of the fears I know we talked about for you would be that, um, yeah, I, I'm not going to be taken care of. I'm going to be left stranded on my own, uh, or the fear that I don't have what it takes. We use either of those as an example. The core desire you have is that, you give yourself the gift, let's say it's the fear that you don't have what it takes, of patience. That you do have all the time you need in this identity space to learn whatever you need to learn. It's the ultimate kitchen. You can try to make any recipe you want. You can spill things, and that's okay. It's accidents, and we have all the time we need to learn whatever we need to learn because... This place never runs out of patience. Um, Likewise, and this is where you could go back and listen through the fears in week two, where I talk about the fear and the desire. Um, If the fear, if the the core fear is that I'm not going to be taken care of, then in this space, you get to fall apart and put yourself back together. You get to give yourself care. Like, what does Eric need right now? What does he want? Um, and you can't out-imagine how good you can be to yourself in this space that I am going to give myself this gift. And then with that fear, it's specifically joy because you feel good. You're like, oh, yeah, I'm taken care of. Um, so for me, the fear is that my performance equals my worth. If I don't perform enough, I'm not worthy. What am I giving myself in that space? Worth. Just me is enough. I don't have to pretend. I don't have to deceive. I don't have to perform. I'm just here. And the more that I practice that, the more that I bring that to my life. Now, next week we'll talk about how to build external stimuli and triggers to, to, for the external part of that. But this week it's about the internal part. Um, so that's what I mean by that desire, that we can't out-imagine how good it is to come to this space and get what we need. You could look around and be like, hey, there's a mountain over there. I want to go run up it. And you do it in your mind. And what's up there? Look out. Check it. 
you know, check the horizon. Feel the wind on your face up at the top of that mountain. Are there mountains in Dominican Republic? <laughs> I should ask that. Uh, there can be in your mind's eye. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but what you're doing is you're going, hey, is there something here for me? Is there a message? Is there uh, something I need to become aware of? I don't put pressure on the moment to deliver like some kind of oracle type truth. But I can say from practicing this, you know, for about seven or eight years, there are moments where like I, my mind gets captured with something like, hey, what's that tree doing? That tree's about to fall over. It's dying. Is that a symbol for something right now? Carl Jung talks about, you know, our unconscious energy, our subconscious. And uh, the best analogy I've heard for this is like you can put your boat on the water and the water is your, your subconscious and you can handle it by the cup full. Just don't jump off the boat into the water. That's when you go crazy. Um, and what this is about is coming and getting a drink of water for your identity any time you need it. Um, th- I want to check in on that. Does that make sense? Thoughts or questions on that? Yeah, that makes so much more sense. Like before when you were describing it, I was thinking, well, how can you be living in this place uh, all the time? And just it, it feels like pretending. But um, that made it a lot clearer. It's more like you can dip into this well and then bring bring you know the water back out to everywhere else. Totally. That's it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to come here a few times throughout the week consistently. The second time I'm going to come here is when I anticipate trouble coming around the corner. So if I have a tense conversation coming up, uh, it's on the calendar. If I have a big moment of performance, like I'm speaking at this thing and, you know, this could be really cool for me. I'm going to use week one, the mental contrasting. I'm going to picture it going good and bad and me being secure either way. And then I'm going to use week six and I'm going to come to this space and get what I need so that I can engage that opportunity or that what might be a stressful, tense moment from a secure mindset. I can't put pressure on this tense conversation or this cool opportunity to give me what I need in my identity. I'm going to come get it here first. Then I'm going to engage that moment. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I, I do that a lot, actually. Before I have to perform, I, I'll you know close my eyes, breathe. It helps a lot. That's it. But yeah. And what we're doing is shortening the struggle phase by picturing it, not just emptying our mind. Go ahead. You're going to say something. Uh, no, I was, I was just going to say, you know, doing it more often is definitely a good idea. Well, here's where it becomes really powerful, and this is the third time to do it, when you're in the moment of insecurity. Uh, and this is where I actually started learning to do it. Um, and I would, and I think I talked about it in the podcast, I'd go to the hallway bathroom of our house, you know, if my wife and I are in a tense conversation or if I'm at work and I'm in a meeting and I'm like, oh, hey, let's take a bathroom break. And I go in the bathroom. Maybe I'd turn the lights off. Maybe I'd leave them on and look in the mirror just to harness my ability to focus, uh, you know, different ways. But I would go to that space in my mind's eye and I would get what I need, feel, see, and hear. I'd turn up all three so that, hey, I'm not defined by what's happening. I'm defined what my identity really is and I can come here and get what I need. Now I can go back into that tense situation and say, 
Hey, sorry I powered up. I felt afraid about this. Um, hey, sorry I wasn't listening to you. You know, whatever it is. And, and not that an apology always needs to happen. Now, for a lot of people, as they catch this, they actually start catching it after the moments occurred. And it's like, why did I do that? Freaking, what happened? <gasps> oh, I got insecure, so I did that. Over time, you'll catch yourself right after it happened. More and more over time, you'll catch yourself in the middle of it. Uh, and then more and more, you'll catch yourself right as it's developing. Um, and as you, and it makes me think of you talking about 30 minutes later. I mean, that was awesome. That's great catching it. Um, the more that you practice this too, the more that you don't always have to leave the moment. You're actually able to do it right there, you know, in your mind's eye, if you will. Not that you're not present with the people that are around you, but you will shrink this down into such a micro second and it's, you've practiced it so much like boom. You can go there, 0.01 seconds, get what you need, and then you're engaged back into the moment. But that develops over time, and you got to give yourself uh, the space to, to learn that. Does that make sense, thoughts or questions? No, that makes sense. Awesome, man. So what I would encourage you to do as we go to week seven, and this is just something to think about from a strategy standpoint – and I'll set this up in the podcast, but you're looking for an activity that, and it, and it can be not moving, although I encourage moving if you can. You're looking for an activity where you feel uh, no shame. Like you feel the opposite of the fear that you have in your identity. For me, running is a big part of that. Like when I'm running, it's like I'm not performing I'm not defined by any role. I'm just existing. I'm just being. And it's a really pure state for me. Uh, and that's different for everybody. Um, so before I go on a run, I want to listen to a song where I really feel secure in who I am, where Chris is enough, right? Uh, and I have different artists that trigger that state really powerful for me. I'm going to listen to that song before I run. I'm going to listen to that song after I run. I'm going to do something nutritious before or after that run. And I'm stacking the external stimuli. The more that I practice it, and for some people it's cooking, for some people it's walking their dog, for some people it's reading, but the more that you make it a, a trigger state with nutrition and music and, and tactile, you know, while you're walking your dog, feel the hair of the dog, you know, while you're with your cat, feel the hair and really be present with its sensation on your skin. I mean, just really trip out at how deep you can take this. The more that you practice that, and, and this is where we'll head with the next week, the more that you can just hear the song and you feel like you've gone for a walk with your dog or cooked a meal or run for an hour or whatever. Um, and I'll explain that a lot more, but the reason, you know, in, in the podcast you'll listen to, but the reason that I want to make sure the sequence is clear is it's externally learning to trigger on demand what this place gives you internally. Uh, and that's why this, you know, week six comes before seven. Because if you can learn week six, the rest will flow out of that. You're training the brain. You're giving your brain a more powerful experience to wire around. Because it doesn't know the difference between being on the beach in the Dominican Republic uh, 
when you're fully present with it, seeing, feeling, hearing, and, you know, being on the elevator going up right before that stressful meeting, um, both feel real to it. Thoughts or questions on that? Uh, no. Okay. I'm feeling good about it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I know that just to come to this point, it takes a ton of leaning into your fear and your pain and your shame. Uh, so just want to say, well done. It takes a ton of courage. And as you keep going back to that space in your mind's eye, you know, this will continue to flourish and open up for you. Um, you will continue to go, oh, I can, you know, I can explore this. I can do this. I can give myself this gift. I can process this struggle. Uh, I became aware this past week of something that in my past I wanted to really distance myself from. And I was kind of embarrassed and ashamed of it. And I was like, whoa, there's something I need to take to my week six identity space and go, all right, what's here? What message is there? Something I need to pay attention to, something I need to find some wholeness in. Uh, it's an endless playground to explore, which is why when the book comes out on this, I've got a Louis C.K. quote I'll use on that very thing. <laughs> It'll be so much fun. Um, awesome, man. Any thoughts or questions for next week? No, I'm excited to, to go for a bike ride and, and listen to my favorite songs, but no questions. I'll, I'll let you know throughout the week how I'm doing, but yeah, okay. thank you. Awesome, man. Well, have an excellent day. And like I always say, hit me up if you need me. Peace, buddy. This has been The Sight Shift, lead podcast with Chris McAllister. Thank you for listening.